Amen. <laughs> For you coming out on a cold light night like tonight. Amen. Well, um, I was praying about, Pastor asked me to do this about uh, several weeks ago, and I was praying about what I should minister on. I had about three different things, and the, Holy, and, and the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to minister on me, the Holy Spirit. So he's been mulling this over in my, in my spirit for quite a while. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But first of all, I want to, since you're coming out tonight, I just wanted to um, make an offer. This is Heidi in my book called Healed. Some of you have read it. It's really changing people's lives. And normally out there at the information desk, it sells for $12. But tonight, if you get it, it's $5. As many copies as you want. Because I want you to read it. I want you to hand it to other people. It is, it is literally causing people to change the way they pray, how they view themselves, and how they view God. So it's only for you guys tonight. We're not going to spend it just tonight. So, okay. I'm going to call this message tonight Holy Spirit 101, and since I have so many scripture verses, I'm probably going to stay behind this pulpit, much to the gladness of the person who's running the camera tonight. So, the Lord's really been speaking to me about the Holy Spirit and the mystery that people have about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I think that some people have misgivings about it. They have questions about it. It's, it's a topic that many churches um, don't like to talk about. And I think there's a lot of um, error in what's been taught. And the mystery of it causes us to kind of go, oh, filling of the, infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and all the different gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to kind of demystify that tonight for you. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity or the Triunity. You realize that the word Trinity is not even in the Bible, right? It was a word that was coined back in the third century when Christianity became the religion of Rome. And it was used to express the fact that God is three separate persons but one substance. And there's nothing, and people have tried to say things like, well, it's like water. It's like liquid water, ice, and steam. Or it's like an egg yolk. It's like the shell and the, and the, the white of the egg and the yolk of the egg. But it, we, we don't have anything in our world that's even close to it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a unique concept that God is a one mind and one substance, but he expresses himself as three separate entities, three separate persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we see um, the two of the Trinity in Genesis 1.1, and this is the first mention of the Holy Spirit, and it just so happens it's the first verse in the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, and the word there for God is Elohim. One of the things that we have in our Bible, we have Lord and God, and many of those words were translated by the people who translated the King James Version or other versions, and they just used words that were familiar to them at the time. But a lot of those words are the actual names of God. And so the name here of God, the first usage of God is Elohim. The funny thing about the word Elohim, it is plural. It's not a singular, it's a plural. And it's kind of a weird kind of a word because it's, it's showing that God is plural but one, that triunity. So it says, in the beginning, God, or Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God. That word that's translated there, spirit, actually means breath. And so we were singing tonight, breath of God, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Um, and when, you know, when God breathed on Adam, he breathed into him, he breathed into him the spirit, the breath of life, and they became a living soul. In Psalm 33, 6, it says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So the word of the Lord, who is the word of the Lord? Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
to the Word. By, by the Word, the Father made the Lord, the Father, God made the heavens and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, the breath, the Spirit, right? So we see here that two of the, we see all three here of the uh, persons in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Okay, here's another verse, Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. And God said, let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over all the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Who is he talking to? Let us make man in our image. Who is God talking to? He wasn't talking to the angels. He was talking to himself. He didn't say, let me make man. He said, let us. He's, see that, that plurality of God, the different parts of God, the different existences of God. And so God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I just want to take a little segue here. Do you know that God's plan has never changed and will never change? That is the plan for man. He is to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and take dominion. What happened was he gave the earth to Adam and Eve, and he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to name all the animals. I want you to subdue. Because the things you name, you have dominion over. So he named all the different things, all the different animals, everything that was on the earth. He had dominion over it. And then his, God's plan was for, for man, because the Bible says heavens are God's, earth is man's, okay, it's given to man. He was supposed to subdue it and then move out of the Garden of Eden and take the entire earth and subdue it. The Bible says the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The glory, the manifest presence of God. And, and man was supposed to take that glory, that manifestation of God, and go all, all the way across the earth and subdue it. Well, of course, what happened? He sinned. He was cast out of the garden, and he didn't fulfill this. But God's plan is to eventually, for man to do this. And that's part of the church's edict, is to go out and subdue the earth. And I'm not talking about militarily. I'm talking about spiritually. We're supposed to have dominion, the king's domain, kingdom. That's what, that's what the kingdom means, king's domain. So the kingdom of God will cover the earth. The glory of God will cover the earth. The manifestation of God will cover the earth. We're supposed to carry kingdom. We're supposed to carry the glory of God. Who is the glory of God? The glory of God is his manifest presence, which is the Holy Spirit. Right? So that's what, that has never changed. And when Jesus finally comes back and stands on the sea and on the land and declares the kingdom of our God has become the kingdom of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever, that will happen again. Because the devil will be put into the pit, right? And he will be cast into hell forever, or cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And there won't be anybody opposing us anymore. And the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But part of the church's mandate is to carry the presence of the Lord all over the earth and subdue it, spiritually subdue it. Isaiah 6, 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. Who will go for us? Who was God talking to? He was talking to himself. He was talking to the Son and the Spirit. Who will go for us? Jesus talks about the Spirit in John 3, 5 through 12. He says here, he said, Jesus answered Nicodemus. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him and said to him, You are a teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify and what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Who is he talking to there? Who is he talking about there? He's talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
the triunity of God. I, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus says in that verse, he's up, uh, a little further up, he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. You have to be born of the water and the spirit. How are we born the first time? What do women say when they're just about ready to give birth? What do they do? They break what? They break their water. We're born of the water first, right? And then we're born into baptism through the water, right? And then he says, so that which is born of flesh is flesh. You break water, you, you're born of the water. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. And the word spirit there, born of spirit, is the capital S, the Holy Spirit. But it's born of spirit, is our spirit. So when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. Born the first time through water, second time through the Spirit. So we would expect that if the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, that He would also be the Spirit of Christ, right? So when Jesus came, He didn't have a, His own little Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. That was His Spirit. And when He's baptized in water, the Spirit comes down on Him, but that isn't like it's like, oh, now He has the Holy Spirit. No, He had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out on him so he could do ministry, right? So because it says here in, in, um, in Romans 8 9, but you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So when we are born again, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, Right? But there's another ex experience that God talks about later on, just that he talks about being um, when the Spirit is poured out on you and being filled with the Spirit. There's another verse that I didn't give to, the, to Kevin up there, but um, in John 20, verse, uh, verse 22, this is before um, Jesus goes back to heaven, right? And he says, he says to them, verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is before the day of Pentecost. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit, right? So when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved you cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit residing in you. So we're talking about something a little bit different when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit, and we're going to try to demystify that a little bit here. So what does part does the Holy Spirit play in the Godhead? He's the power of the Godhead. He moved on the face of the waters, and he moved the waters off and created the dry land. So he is the power. He's equal but submissive to the Father and the Son. Right? So Jesus is submissive to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is submissive to Christ. That's why when Jesus said, I have to go away in order to send you the Spirit. I have to go back to heaven in order to send you the Spirit. Right? The Father imagines or plans. He speaks the word, which is Christ, and the Spirit makes it so. That is, that is the functionality. In creation, that's exactly what happened. God thought it. He spoke the word to Christ. In the beginning was the word. Everything was created through the word. And then the spirit of God made it so. He's the power. So what has Christ given us when he pours out his Holy Spirit on us? He's given us his very authority and his power, right, to do everything that he did. That's why he told him to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power, right? He is vital to salvation. In John 16, 5, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you are going, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, he'd already breathed in them the Holy Spirit. Oh. Right? He has to go away first. So the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they don't believe in me, 
of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan has been judged, and he's been found wanting. You don't have to worry about him. The Bible says, it says, they'll look upon him in that day. They'll look upon him, and they'll say, that's the one that made the world tremble? Really? Why don't we have that attitude now? He's nothing. We give him all sorts of credit, but he really doesn't have any credit because Christ has already won it, and he's given you the authority and power, this very power of God is in you. He is in you. Jesus said that every sin would be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. This verse used to bother me a lot, right? Matthew 12, 31 says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Like I said, that verse used to bother me. It was like, wow, you say something against the Holy Spirit and you're damned forever? But think about it. If the Holy Spirit, because the reason he said this was that they said he has a devil. He was doing all these miracles, and they were saying he was doing this by the spirit of Baal. He was doing it by the spirit of the devil. So they were blaspheming. They were calling the Holy Spirit a devil because that was the spirit that, that they said that he had was a devil. And so if the Holy Spirit is vital to salvation, he's the one who convicts the world of sin, he's the, of righteousness and judgment, then if you say that, that, that the, the spirit that's convicting is really a devil, you'll never come to Christ. Because he, I mean, that's, right? So if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, then you can't come to Christ, and if you can't come to Christ, then your destination is damnation. So don't get all caught up in this, did I, did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? You're not gonna blas- if you're a Christian, you're not going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, you may say something like, I'm not sure what spirit that's of, but the Holy Spirit's going to let you know that it's him when it's him. So what's the difference between how the Holy Spirit interacts with man in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Jesus says in Luke 7, 28, he says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Wow, what a statement. He's saying that John the Baptist is the greatest prophet that ever lived in the Old Testament. But even the least in the kingdom of God, the New Testament, Okay, after Jesus goes back through salvation in him, this New Testament is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in you. He didn't have that. The Spirit of God dwelt on John the Baptist, and he would come and go as he would. But the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The very presence, power, and authority of God dwells inside of you. So even the least, even the person who is the least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than all the prophets, all the kings, all of those who were in the Old Testament times. And the Holy Spirit came on prophets for a specific time, upon judges and leaders and kings for wisdom, for leadership, and he was the outward sign of the presence of God. But the Holy Spirit lives within us. We receive the Spirit. We are baptized in the Spirit or immersed in the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. He empowers us to witness and deliver signs and wonders through us. In the Old Testament, the laws were external. Ten Commandments, Levitical laws, they were all external. It was like checklists. And that's how they judged everything, was through a checklist. But in the New Testament, the laws are internal. In Hebrews 8.10, it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. So he's actually taken those laws. You know, before they had to, everything was just like jot and tittle. In fact, Jesus says to the, to the Pharisees, he says, they even tithe on, the, on the, the, the um, herbs that were in the cracks of the stones in their walkways. They would go, okay, what's one-tenth of that? And they would, that, that's how exact they were because they wanted to follow those laws exactly. And the Lord says, I'm going to take that away. I'm, I'm going to fulfill that law through Christ, 
and I'm going to put it on their heart so the Holy Spirit will be there to convict them. They won't have to, uh, want to see what was that law again? No, it's like, wow, that's just wrong, right? So that's, that's, that's the difference. The Holy Spirit comes in us. Joel prophesies in, in uh, Joel 2, 28 through 29, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Just get that picture in your mind. He's pouring out his spirit, just like a big pitcher. Okay, it's not just like, oh, okay, there's a prophet. Put on the prophet. Okay, take it away. Even, even David said, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, right? So, but he's given us his Holy Spirit. So he says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my manservants and upon my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And that prophecy was spoken by uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost. But that's the exact verse he was. He said, this is what was spoken by Joel. Now the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, right? So let's, let's just talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Jesus was talking, when he's talking to Nicodemus, like we read earlier, he said that we, that we have the Holy Spirit when we are born again. So every person in here who's born again has the Holy Spirit. He, he resides in you. Now, I, I want to just talk to you a little bit about that because Jesus said the prophets would have loved to have seen the day that you live in right now because they didn't have that. They had to, they had to know the law. They had to, they had to understand the, 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 the things that were written down before them. But you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and we ignore him way too much because that is the power of God in us. That is the power of God to salvation is the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus was crucified and was raised again and went back to heaven so he could send us the Holy Spirit of God so he could be in us. And I think we take that too lightly because we've always lived with that. I mean, I've, I've been saved since I was six years old. I was filled with the Spirit at 14. And for a long time, I just thought everybody lived that way. I mean, with the Holy Spirit talking to me. And it isn't like, oh, what would you say, Holy Spirit? It's that inner voice, that inner conviction, that inner thing inside of you that says, no, that's wrong. And you're like, man, something starts to come out of your mouth and go, wow, that's numb. I shouldn't say that, right? There's, and, and we think that the world should be like that. It's like, well, how come they don't have that conscience? Well, they don't. They don't have the Holy Spirit in there bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, that we are the children of God. We, we need to, to be more aware of his presence because he will lead us in the paths of truth. He's supposed to guide us into all truth. All truth. That means in every situation. That means when you're struggling with something, you say, Holy Spirit, what should I do here? You know, Holy Spirit, what is the truth of the situation? How am I supposed to perceive this? But how often do we do that? How often do we go to the Spirit and, and, and talk to Him and ask Him to give us that, that, that conviction or even that truth or even the power that we need to overcome something? Many times we don't. Second thing is, there's no little Holy Spirit or big Holy Spirit, you know, right? There's no, like, little Holy Spirit for kids and big Holy Spirits for adults. The bigger you are, the more Holy Spirits you have. There is the Holy Spirit. He is infinite, you know, and it's incredible because the whole Holy Spirit resides in you, but he's infinite, right? It's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a conundrum, but it's, it's the truth. Okay, so... What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I thought I would give a little analogy here. So i got two Christians, Christian A and Christian B. Okay? Okay, this is the Holy Spirit. I like blue, so that's why I use blue. Okay, so this Christian, let's see, Christian A over here, the Holy Spirit's poured out when he asks him to come in. He's already inside of him, he says, Holy Spirit, I want to be filled by you. I want, to be, I want you to pour out on me. So he is poured out. Oops, we're not full yet, are we? Okay. Let's get full of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. I'm not going to fill it overflowing because pastor wouldn't like that. Okay. He's full of the Holy Spirit, right? Nothing impeding him. Everything in his life or her life is 
given over to the Holy Spirit. Everything. Every place in the, that they have. There's nothing hidden from the Holy Spirit. This is Christian B, or two if you want. A Christ, the Christian number two has a lot of things that he doesn't want to give the Holy Spirit, like doubt. Let me get these all out here. Doubt and unbelief and mistrust and anger and hate and, oh, let's say bitterness and let's say some bad habits in here. We've got to get a few bad habits in here. There's a few bad habits in there. There we go. And, oh, we've got pride here. There's some pride there. There's some jealousy there. There's some false humility there. And there's some envy and indignation. And Now, they're Christians, right? They've got the Holy Spirit in them, but they haven't really given. Oh, this is, I wonder what this one is. This must be unforgiveness there. Okay, there we go. Okay, so. Oh, you know, there's just lots of things that they've got inside of them, right? And they're, they're not giving. Those are little little closets that they're not giving to the Holy Spirit. Those are places, well, Holy Spirit, I really don't want you to touch this because this, this is something that I enjoy. This is something that I don't, that I don't, I don't think you can handle. I don't think that you can um, change in my life. And this one doesn't even want to go in there, so we'll just leave that there. Okay, so here's, here's we'll just use, we'll use Christian A's Holy Spirit, right? So we're going to, because we know this is full, right? So we're going to pour Christian A's Holy Spirit into here, and we go, oh, he's, whoa, look at that. Wow, the Holy Spirit wanted to put all that, all of that in there. He couldn't, because he has all this stuff. So what's the difference between, well, we might want to fill back up Christian A's. Holy Spirit here, so we can show the difference here. But here's the, here's the deal. People have, mis- have made the filling of the Holy Spirit a mystery. It's like, okay, I just go like this, and okay, the Holy Spirit's going to come in, and I'm going to get all of the fruit of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, speaking tongues and that kind of stuff. And that happens. It's happened in, it happened in the New Testament. There's lots of illustrations of that. But here's the problem. They were open for the Holy Spirit to fill every part of their life, just like this one was. And so they were filled with the Spirit. I had friends who were filled with the Holy Spirit in their bathrooms, in their bedrooms, in churches, everywhere. And they gave it over their entire lives. And they knew that they were filled with the Spirit. But there was other, there's other people who were like, Lord, I want you to fill me, but I don't want to give you all these places. And so they don't get filled with the Spirit. He wants to do it, but they don't get filled with the Spirit. And so they don't have all the evidence of this infilling of the Holy Spirit they want to keep that stuff. So what would happen if they started taking some of these things out of here? Let's just, let's just take anger. Let's take, um, I don't want to put my fingers in there because it's blue. I'm probably going to do fingers. I mean, unforgiveness, and we're going to take some hatred out of there, some pride out of there, some self-doubt out of there. See, everything they take out, look, there's more room for the Holy Spirit. And some people say, well, how come I've been praying that the Lord, that I would be filled with the Spirit for years, and I, I don't, never, I'm never, I never see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. See what happens? The more I take out, the more the Holy Spirit can fill in. Right? And so... That I, I hope that kind of gives you an understanding of the, of the mystery of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get rid of that stuff. And, and the way you do it is that you identify, the Holy Spirit will identify it in your life if you ask him to. What places in my life have I not given to you? And all those things that I mentioned and many, many more, people hide. They have little closet doors that they shut up. You know, little places in their, in their lives, little rooms in their life that they close off to the Holy Spirit because they don't trust him. They're afraid, or that feels good, or they want to do these things. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit if you're going to keep those things in your life. Let me give you an example of, of uh, what I, that Paul had when he went to Ephesus. It says in Acts 19, 1 through 5, and it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, what did he say? 
disciples. He found some disciples. This is in Ephesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. Disciples that have not heard that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? How many churches do we have today that go, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit like that? Or that went out with the apostles. We don't need that anymore. Well, I think we need it more today than ever. And he said to them, and in, into, what, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism, which was the baptism of repentance. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now there were about 12 men. They were, they were, the men were about 12 in all. So here we see disciples who didn't even know that they were supposed to be filled with the Spirit. And, and Paul corrects them. And they, then they're baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And he lays hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. What, is, what are some of the benefits of being filled with the Spirit? What, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 through 23, we all know this. But the fruit of the Spirit, that which comes out of being filled with the Spirit, that which manifests like a tree that has fruit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there, are no, there is no law. So when a person is filled with the Spirit, these are the things they should be manifesting. So this is one way you can tell if a person... They're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They manifest these things. This is what the filling of the Holy Spirit looks like. And that doesn't mean that every person who's filled with the Spirit has all these things manifesting all the time. I'm still working on a lot of those things, right? But this is what the fruit should be. It should not be bad fruit, right? What are the gifts of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the mani what's the manifestation? It's the fruit. It's what, comes, it's what we can see when a person's filled with the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for our what? Profit to all. The manifestations of the Spirit, the character and nature of God being manifest in the earth, is for the profit of everyone. This is what God gives these gifts for. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now I used to look at this verse and say, well, I guess there are people who have words of wisdom, there are prophets, there are, you know, people who can speak in tongues. It's like God says, okay, that one does this, and that one does this, and that one does this, and that one does this. But that's not really what this verse means. Because these gifts are, um, are there for the profit of all, God gives in his, because we all prophesy, we all know in part and prophesy in part, he gives to each one different gifts during, whenever they need to be there. It doesn't mean that if you're a prophet, that's all you are. Because all of these gifts are the Holy Spirit. This is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You should be moving in all of these things. Because it just depends on the situation and the atmosphere that you're in. In a church, it, you know, the Bible says that in a church, one gives up and gives a psalm. One gives up, stands up and does a prophecy. One gives a, 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 um, a word in tongues and interpretation. These all are just happening in the church as its needs be, right? It isn't that this one, okay, that's a prophet. That's the one who should always be doing that. I came from a church where we had our prophet, we had our person who spoke in tongues, we had sister so-and-so who interpreted in tongues, and you could just watch it go boom, 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 boom. We're all going, okay. That's not the way God designed it. He designed every one of you to prophesy. He designed every one of you to speak in tongues and interpret. He designed every one of you to have words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He, 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 he gives every one of us the discerning of spirits and the working of miracles and faith. All these things are 
part of the body of Christ. Because Paul says, desire the, the best gifts. So if he, if he, he wouldn't have said that if he would have said, okay, you know, desire that, you know, you get one gift and that's all you get. As we become, as we allow the Holy Spirit to fill more and more of our life, we get more and more of the manifestation of these things when we need them for the profit of all. So why has there been so much emphasis on speaking in tongues? This has been the big kicker, right? Uh, there, are, there are denominations who believe it's of the devil. Um, there, and when I grew up, if you were a tongue talker, that's what they called us, or a holy roller, I always loved that one. Um, they, you know, they, you were the devil, you know? And I, don't, I think that a lot of that's gone out. Um, you don't hear that as much. But I don't, I don't know where that comes from because these gifts didn't go out with the apostles. We see them in our church. We see them at Eastside all the time. We, pa- Pastor is a prophet. I mean, he really does. He, he can look you right in the eye, and he can prophesy right into you. God just, the Holy Spirit gives him words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But all of us move in these different things as we're filled with the Spirit. The Lord's been showing me this in the last, probably the last two or three years, that as I need them, God will give them to me as I need them. But I have to be aware that I can have them first, right? Um, even with our book, you know, talking about healed, God showed Heidi and I, you know, because I came from a church where the deacons and elders stood up in the front, and you came up, and you were prayed for by the deacons and elders, and it's kind of like, let's see if you're going to get healed. If he gets healed, it's wonderful. If not, well, sorry, it wasn't your time, you know. <laughs> That's not the way the church was designed. It was designed that each one of you can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast the devils, cleanse lepers, right? I mean, that's, that's the way it's designed. And so God's been showing us in the last several years, all of these gifts, all of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit can work through us, and they do, and they are, and that's what the cool thing is. And so um, why is there this emphasis in speaking on tongues? Why has that become an evidence of being filled with the Spirit? Now, let me, let me just speak right, say right here, you don't have to speak in tongues, okay, to be filled with the Spirit. It is an evidence, okay? It is an evidence. In other words, a person speaking in tongues doesn't mean they're filled with the Spirit or not, but when they do speak in tongues, if it's of God, it is evidence. And here's, let me just give you some examples here. In Acts 2.4, which is the first time we see being filled with the Spirit, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here they are. They're there on the day of Pentecost. They're in an upper room. They've been waiting for the Holy Spirit to come because Jesus told them that. He said, you see your power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be witnesses, right? And so all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they start speaking in tongues. And they go outside of the room, which is something the church needs to remember. We, we don't just stay in here. <laughs> we go out there. So they get outside of the room, and they're all speaking in tongues. And these people who are in Jerusalem that day are hearing them declare the glory of God in their own languages. And what does it do? It causes them to wonder, what's going on? Are these people drunk? Well, they can be drunk. It's too early in the day for that. And so Peter gets up and he preaches and says, this is what was said by the prophet Joel, that that I'll pour out on all flesh my spirit. And then he preaches to them Christ and 3,000 get saved that day. It's an outward evidence. Speaking in tongues is an outward evidence. All right? Um, the tongue, and I, and I believe this is, this is the case, why speaking in tongues or speaking in an unknown language or even a known language um, that is, is important is because the tongue is the hardest member of our body to tame. How many of you would you say that? God is teaching me that. This is, this is kind of like my end lesson here. I mean, for me. If I can tame that completely, the Bible says if you can tame that tongue, you're perfect. Wow. Okay? He says here in James 3, 2 to 6, he says, For we stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Wow. Would you like to be perfect? Don't stumble in word. Right? Also able to bridle the whole body. If you can tame that thing, you can, you can bridle your whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths as they may obey us and turn 
We turn their whole body just by that one bit. We turn a whole horse. That's why I like to watch um, some movies on television, especially cowboy movies and stuff like that. And it's amazing how they can just, I mean, just pull on that rein like that. They can turn that whole horse. Those are big animals. He says, and look, also at ships, although they are large, they are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member, it boasts great things. See how it's a great forest, a li- see how a great forest, a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set, it is set on fire by hell. So if we can tame our tongue, if the Holy Spirit can tame our tongue, he, it shows that our whole body is under his control. And so that's why I believe the evidence of speaking in tongues is there, that we talk about the evidence of speaking in tongues. Let, let's just look at it in the New Testament. In Acts 10, 44 through 46, while Peter was still speaking these words, he's going to Cornelius' house. Let me set this up for you. He goes to Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile. And at that time, the disciples did not believe that Christ had come to save the Gentiles. They had already, the Samaritans were already getting saved. So it's like, well, they're, you know, they're kind of half Jewish, right? Half Gentile. Well, we can, we can work with that one because they're half Jewish, right? But the Gentiles, I mean, really? They're, they're going to get saved? So Peter goes, I mean, God has to do a, has to have, give him a dream and say to him, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean? For Peter even to go to Cornelius' house in the first place. So he goes to Cornelius' house, and he goes in there, and he starts preaching about Christ because Cornelius had, had, a, had a vision of an angel and told him to go get Peter. So Peter comes there, and he starts preaching. Well, in the middle of his preaching, in the middle of his preaching, it says, and as, as um, while he was still speaking those words, as he's still speaking the gospel, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, not some, all, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Why? How did they know? How did they know the Holy Spirit was poured out? Did they see them glow? Were they like a new LED light bulb? Were they kind of like going, were they prophesying? Were they getting words of wisdom? You know, well, they were prophesying, but... Um, for they heard them, what? Speaking in tongues and praising God which was the initial evidence that the disciples knew that they were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So the people who were with Peter are like, hey, 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 Peter, hey, whoa, Peter, they're speaking in tongues. So then Peter said, can anyone forbid water? In other words, can anybody forbid baptism? That these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See, they, they had received the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues, and they see these Gentiles speaking in tongues. And so he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. So now Peter goes back to the disciples, and the people that are with him go back to the disciples, and they're going, what have you been doing? You're, you're going to the Gentiles? Really? I mean, they're not supposed to be saved. And so the, Peter has to defend himself. And so how does he defend himself? He says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us in the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John, indeed, baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift he gave us, gift he gave us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? That's how he defended himself. He didn't say, well, you know, they were baptized in water. You know, they, were, they professed Jesus. He said they received the Holy Spirit like we did with that evidence of speaking in tongues. And what does it say about the other disciples? It says, when they heard these things, they became silent. They had no defense against it. And they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. How did they know? They knew because the tongue had been bridled. The Holy Spirit had control of their tongue, and they spoke with, with, in, new langu- in, in languages known and unknown. So tongues is an evidence to the unbeliever. In 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it says, Therefore, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. 
Prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So tongues are the sign for unbelievers, right? They're, they're, that's, it's a unique thing. Also, the Holy Spirit, this is, this is probably the, the most unique thing for me about the Holy Spirit, because there are many times I don't know how to pray for something. How many of you have ever had that problem where you're like, I just don't know what to do with this? I don't even know how to pray for this. Sometimes it's people that you're ministering to, and they're just like, I, I, I don't know why they don't get this. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. I've been praying, and, and, and I just don't know what to pray anymore. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And guess what? His prayers are perfect. He can't pray in perfect prayers. So there's many times I'm driving down the road, and I'm, and I'm just thinking about something, and I'm starting to pray, and then I listen to myself, and I'm like, oh, you're praying in tongues. I mean, it's that, it's that so much a part of my life that I don't even realize what I'm doing because I start to break into speaking in tongues because I'm, the Holy Spirit's praying through me. He's interceding for me. He's helping me. And I've been woken up in the middle of the night. I'm like, why am I awake? And the Holy Spirit says, pray. I'm like, for what? He says, let me pray through you. And so I'll just start praying in tongues. You know, and that, I mean, it's, it's not a language that I understand. I'm not praying with understanding. Paul says, I pray with understanding and I pray with, with in, in the Spirit. It's not that you understand it, but the Lord prays through you. The Holy Spirit prays through you. And because of perfect prayers, the Father answers them. I'll give you an example. My grandmother, many, many, many years ago, she's, she's with the Lord now, but she woke up in the middle of the night, like 3 o'clock in the morning, and the, and the Holy Spirit said, pray. And she started praying in the Spirit. She didn't know what she was praying for. What am I praying for, Holy Spirit? Just pray. So the Holy Spirit, she's, she's praying in the Spirit. And then finally she got released, and she just fell back asleep again. Come to find out, that my uncle and his family were driving in a car. Those people didn't drive it. But she was driving in a car, and the, my cousin was in the back seat, and he was a small boy, and the two in the front. And he's driving along, and all of a sudden he looks up, and there's a car in his lane coming directly at him. He didn't have time. The only thing he said was, Jesus. This is the same time, 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus, and he closed his eyes because like you see something coming at you like that. He closed his eyes, and when he opened them again, the car was behind him. And my cousin said, Daddy, who was that man in the road with the white, in the white robe? He said, Daddy, he just picked up that car and put it behind us. The Holy Spirit was telling my grandmother, pray. You don't know, you, you can't, I mean, how do you pray for something you don't know? pray at the very same time. So they, when they called her the next morning and told her about what had happened, she said, that's the same time the Holy Spirit woke me up to pray. We, we don't take advantage of the power we've been given in the Holy Spirit. You know, and, I mean, Paul says here, he says, he was Southern, by the way, because he says this here, he says, um, <laughs> yeah, he's Southern. He says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. That's in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. So if anybody, you know, we know that Paul was Southern. Okay. But that's the thing. See, the Holy Spirit's, here's his point here is that I speak with, in tongues, and I speak with understanding. Both are valuable, right? Um, So when we speak in tongues in public, it's for the benefit of others. When we speak in in tongues in our prayer closet, in our cars, or whatever we're doing, we're pr- he's praying perfect prayers through us, right? So why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That word there, be filled, is actually the, um, the words be being filled. It doesn't like, it's not a one-time event. Okay, I get filled because we leak, unfortunately. We leak, Right? It's be being filled. You, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day because guess what? These rocks, they want to come back in and do that. And they pushes the Holy Spirit out. 
we've got to be careful every day to give all of that to the Holy Spirit. I, when I wake up in the morning, most mornings, I say, Lord, I don't want to get out of bed unless you're going with me. I give you my entire life, everything about me. It's not about me, God. It's about you and your kingdom. So he says, because the problem is what we do is the, most of the time these, these things in our life are there because we don't trust God to take care of this stuff in our lives. I've got financial issues. I've got health issues. I've got relationship issues. I've got these things, and I don't know if you can handle these, God. We don't say it out loud, but somehow we figure, well, God, you're not doing anything about this, so I've got to start doing stuff here, right? And the Bible says, if you put kingdom first and righteousness, I'll add all that stuff to you. And, the, and the, so what the enemy does is he tries to throw as many of those rocks back in there as he can, try to get a focus off of kingdom and righteousness, right, off of kingdom. It's, it's the king's domain, the dominion, the glory of the Lord covering the earth. He tries to get us off of that and focus on ourselves. And when he does that, those rocks go back in there. So when, I, when, I, when I'm praying, it's like, God, I give you all of that today. Every, you know everything that's going to happen today. You know about my finances. I'm, I'm approaching retirement. It's like, I don't even probably look at that stuff anymore. It's kind of like, you're going to take care of it, God. I'm not going to worry about it. Because when I worry about it, I throw rocks back in there, right? And so I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about relationships and things like that. You'll take care of that, right? So he tells us, be being filled. So every day when you wake up, be be filled with the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in and drive out all that stuff and open up all those places in your life. So be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've started doing a lot, that a lot more now. I thank God for things in the name of Jesus. Because that's what he tells us to do. Secondly, those parts of us the Holy Spirit does not have are targets for the enemy. Jesus in the garden said, the, the enemy is going to come, but he won't find a place in me. And the Lord showed me this several years ago. The enemy can't, he, we're like, we can be like Teflon if we're filled with the Spirit and we're not worried about all this other stuff. The enemy comes and he goes, he can't grab a hold. But if he can find a place and he can throw his talons in there, he's pulling on, he's constantly pulling on you. So when you're filled with the Spirit and you push those things out, he can't find a place. We've, we've too long allowed the enemy to have a place in us. And if you're having a situation and you're, you're stressed or anxious or um, upset or depressed or whatever, the enemy's got a place in you. It's like my, my, my pastors told me one time, he said, if you're offended, there's something offendable in you. Find out what it is. I was doing something this today. I was, I was like, okay, God, why do I feel offended by this? And the Holy Spirit showed me. Why, there was something offendable in here. It's like, okay, I got to get rid of that. Because that's, that's a place where the enemy can have a place, right? And so the Holy Spirit, here, pure Holy Spirit, that's yours. I take that rock out of there. Still yours. Well, I don't want him to have a place in me. You want him to have a place in you? Because when he has a place in you, he can drag you down. It's like, I think I've used this analogy before. Uh, there was a guy who was walking out on the docks, and there was these crab fishermen, and they were fishing for, obviously, crabs. And they were putting him in the bucket. And it was an open bucket. It didn't even have a lid on it. And the guy goes, aren't those crabs going to crawl out of there? He says, no, watch. He says, as the crab would crawl up the side of the thing, he'd start pushing. He would stand on top of the other crab and try to get over the edge. As soon as he would get up to the edge, another crab would go, boop, pull him back down. The crab would never be able to get out. And since the enemy knows his future, he doesn't want your future to be any brighter than his. So he's constantly trying to pull you down. Just kick him out of the way and be being filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to be bold witnesses. This has become so real to me. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit being made manifest in our lives and we're healing the sick, and I'm not talking about just physical disease, I'm talking about you know, body, soul, and spirit, and finances. And we're praying for people, and we're and they're getting their lives are being changed. We are witnesses. If you haven't heard the the message I preached on witnessing one on one, go back and read that, and then and listen to that, because it's about the manifestation of the Spirit of God. People go, you say, guess what God did? And they're like, what? This is what the apostles were doing, disciples were doing. They were going around and telling people what God had done, and so they became bold witnesses. 
And guess what? When we become bold witnesses, God does even more, right? And so this is where my focus has been, is like, I just want to tell everybody that I meet. You wouldn't believe how many of these books I give away. I gave one away today. I went to the bank, and this lady that helped me with my business to, to create my business account, I said, did you read my book yet? She goes, she goes um, I, saw, I think I saw a book like that in the, in the break room. I said, wow. She goes, I'm not sure what happened to it. I said, just a minute. And I went out in my van, and I got the book, and I gave it to her. She said, thank you so very much. I've, I've never had a person refuse it, right? But that's because I have something like this. But I've also, before I had the book, I was telling them stories. I would go out and tell them stories of the things that God had done in my life, and they're just hanging on it. Most people, you know, right? And then I say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? You wouldn't believe how many people say, yeah, and they, they want you to pray for something. So we become, we become bold witnesses as the Holy Spirit empowers us. And we're filled with the Spirit. We have the power and the authority of God inside of us. He guides us into all truth. He says in, in John 16, 13, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, when he's poured out, he will guide you into all truth. And guess what? I looked up that word all, and guess what it means? All. All truth. Everything. All truth. You need truth? Holy Spirit has it for you. He will show it to you. He will not speak on his own authority. See, this is his submission here. Holy Spirit's submission to Christ. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. This is the way God does it. God has the, the thought. The word comes forth. Holy Spirit hears it. He speaks it, right? And he will tell you things to come, and he will what? Glorify me. We, I, I, that word glorify, I appreciate Pastor Alex's uh, words on that because I used to think glorify was like, what? You know, glorify, what? No, it's not. Glorify means the manifested presence of God. It's the, it's the character and nature of God being manifest in the earth. So when he... When he um, when he tells you these things, he's going to cr cause the character and nature of Christ to be manifest, come into reality, kingdom stuff to happen on the earth. And he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. We're joining heirs with Christ. Here's what I have. Here, Holy, Holy Spirit says, here, this is what you have. This is what you have, Miriam. This is what you have, Tiffany. This is what you have, Kelly. This is what you have, right? This is what you have, Heidi. This is what you have, Brandon. This is what you have. And you go, oh, that's what I have. He says, yeah, and I'll use that. Glorify me. He's a guarantee of our inheritance. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That word guarantee is the same word for down payment or assurance. It's like, here, let me just, here, here's the down payment of what God has for you. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. I'm like, if the Holy Spirit is the down payment, my goodness, what is the, what's the loan? You know, it's like, what, what is the, the great thing? He's a down payment because I really believe he's a down payment because we don't realize what we have in the Holy Spirit. He is, he is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the power behind grace. And I like to, I, I kind of embellished Pastor Alex's definition of grace. I like to say this, the supernatural presence of God, the Holy Spirit, who empowers us to become who we were created to be and to do the works of God. He's there so we can become who we're supposed to be. The manifest presence of God living inside of us. And it says, out of our bellies, will flow rivers of living water. And what was he speaking about? He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. When you become so filled, I mean, I could, I could stick my hand in there and that would overflow. And that's what happens. As you are filled with the Spirit of God and you come in contact with people, he starts flowing out. And we start seeing the glory of God being manifest. People being healed, people being saved, people being changed, right? That's what's supposed to happen. So he's that power behind the grace of God. I, I, like I said before, I used to be, I used to think that grace was somehow mercy. It's like, well, grace is, grace is kind of like when God, you know, when we're not supposed to have something, he gives it to us anyway. That's really a very 
minor kind of definition of it. It really is the presence of the Holy Spirit who's inside of us to become who we were created to be. How many of you want to become who you were destined to be in God? Good. Because you can be. The Lord has been speaking to this to me over and over again. You can become who you were destined to be in God. But that's why I gave this teaching tonight, because it requires the power of the Spirit of God. So what's the conclusion? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whether or not you speak in tongues or not, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I would desire that if I were you, because I'm telling you it has saved me many a sleepless night when I can pray in the Spirit and I know that God's got it, right? Or when I'm just, just have anxiety and I'm like, I'm starting to all of a sudden just start praying in the Spirit. There have been many times we were, I'll give you one example, I know we have to um, close real, real quickly here, but my wife and I had heard, like, my uh, son, Jonathan, had been in an accident, and he had called my, my other son and said, I hurt, because my son's deaf. I hurt, and what happened was he had run into a tree with his truck that big, that big around. He was, he was driving down the road, and some deer ran out in front of him, and he swerved. It's actually on Camp Stewart Road there. He swerved to try to miss the deer, and he went off into the side of the road there. And because it was bumping so much, he couldn't get his foot on the brake, and he was going like 35 miles an hour, and he hit a tree just like that with, a, with his truck. Knocked the tree down. The front, the, the, car, the truck was totally totaled, and it landed on its side. The airbags deployed, and he had the presence of mind to crawl out, open the door, and crawl out to the side of the road. So we don't know where he is. Because he, all he said, all he could tell his brother was, "I hurt." He just knew he was between here and the Walmart and Locust. So we got in the car, and guess what we started doing? Start praying in the spirit, because we didn't know what to pray. So we're driving. I mean, it's not. He, he wasn't like five blocks from our home. We're driving. All of a sudden, we're like, "What is that over there?" And the Holy Spirit. I mean, he should have been dead, hitting a hitting a tree like that at thirty-five miles an hour, even with an airbag. But the Holy Spirit is the one who, the manifest power of the Holy Spirit, kept him safe. It says he would give his angels charge of us, keep us in all the ways, deliver us, lift us up, that we don't, we won't, um, yes. You want to say that out loud again? Right. Okay. So what I just want to do tonight is to, to finish up. How many of you want to be, how many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you who you are not would like to be? Okay. All right. Let's just all stand. Because I think this is so, so important. Because it's, it's, a, it's a teaching that's kind of gone out of, out of phase, out of mode, and I want. I just hope that it kind of demystified it for you tonight. That it's not some kind of like ooh thing that's going to happen. It's just allowing the Holy Spirit to have all of you. And so let's just let's just close our eyes and just speak out together. If you want to, you don't have to, but I'm going to do that myself because it says be being filled, which means that since I leak, I want the Holy Spirit to continue to fill me. So let's just let's just speak this out together, Father. We thank you that Jesus came, that he died, and he rose again. And when he went back, he sent the Holy Spirit. And he told us through Paul to be filled with the Spirit. So, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Right now, I give you everything in my life. Every little thing that I've kept back from you, I give it to you. I open all the doors, all the windows, all the drawers, all the cabinets, so that you can fill that place in me. And Lord, I just ask that you will fill me with your spirit, because it's a gift. For every son, 
and every daughter who is saved by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, I ask that I would know that I am filled with the Spirit by the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would start to become manifest in my life. And that, Lord, that your grace, the presence of the Holy Spirit, would empower me to become who I'm destined to be and do the works of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming tonight. I believe that I know that God has heard that prayer, and I'm excited to hear about those who are even who are already filled with the Spirit that are being being filled with the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit that's going to happen in their lives, and those who have who have not been filled with the Spirit already, all those things are going to happen because I know that God is faithful. Amen. All right, give somebody a hug and tell them you love them, and. You're dismissed.